much off, but he's here. I'm telling you, just got to step out. Second you step out, you're going to get something. It's, regardless of whether it's a slow song or a fast song, anything, anything, any praise, you're going to get something from God. And I think that's, that's the coolest thing because any sacrifice is sacrifice. And, like, we've had, we've had, like, the lessons upstairs, and we've been talking about, like, the little things you can do for worship, the ways you can worship with your daily life, like getting on your knees, falling on your face before God and praying, intercessing, travailing, dancing, worshiping, lifting your hands, praying, doing all these little and big things. And that's so crazy because all of those things mean the exact same thing to God. He's going to take it all as praise. He's going to bless you with everything that you do. God's going to bless you through it. And that it astonishes me because we have a great God. We serve a great God. And... I don't have any prayer request things to read up here, but we all know the needs. Everyone has a need, little needs, big needs. We all know the needs in the church, and they're all up there. So if you see one and you read it and it touches your heart and you feel led to pray for it, just please pray for it. And I know that we'll have people up here, if you have a special need, to come up front. We'll have ministers that will anoint you and pray over you. And I'm just believing that God will do what he needs to do. His will is perfect. He'll do it in his time. And it's just up to us to have faith. So, God, I pray right now Lord, that you would touch all of these needs. You see all the situations, God. You see the physical needs, the mental needs, the spiritual needs. God, I just pray that you would touch them all, Lord, in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, this is a house. 
under attack of counterterrorism and they are fighting they're laying down their lives and they are in a constant battle in a constant war and it is horrible so if you would please keep that in your prayers and keep that on your mind as we bow our heads thank you Jesus I pray that you anoint the minds Lord anoint the hearts God I pray that you will walk through every day Jesus throughout this week Lord and that you will bless and that you will anoint and that you will guide Jesus this is your only name, God, I pray, Jesus, amen. Jesus. 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 
bondages be set free and no other name can depression have to leave and no other name can families be put back together and no other name can finances be healed and no other name but the name of Jesus the name of the one that's here tonight the name of the one that was here before ever we ever even started playing music, the one that was here before you were even born, the one that is Jesus, the one that is, the one that is to come. Yes, the one that stood up in the temple and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord that same God is here tonight Jesus and God's going to do something powerful tonight God's doing something powerful tonight. God has already been doing something. Before I ever spoke a word behind this pulpit, God has already moved tonight. And I believe that if you respond, if you take a hold of what he is doing and you allow him to plant a seed tonight, you are not walking out of here the same way you walked in. You are not walking out of here with the bondage that you walked in here with. You are not walking out of here fighting the same battle because God is the God of victory. God is the God that is fighting for you and ready to move tonight. But it all depends on if you respond to him. It all depends on if you decide to say, I'm leaving here changed. I'm leaving here with something tonight. I believe. That's what's so powerful about that song. It's so many times it says, I believe. And sometimes, sometimes you don't. But at the rally we were at, Brother Brian Pound, he talked about sometimes we sing songs that we say words that we don't even mean yet. But as we sing it, it becomes a promise. It becomes almost something we're reaching toward. And maybe we don't truly believe yet that God is going to bring us through it. Maybe we don't truly believe that God is going to bring us out. But if we proclaim it, if we begin to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him, knowing that he is going to direct our paths. Sooner or later, you're going to begin to believe that God is going to bring you through it, that God is going to bring you out of it, that God is going to bring you to the place you knew that you needed to be, but you haven't seen it yet. I believe tonight we are walking out of here into that dimension. I believe it. And so we're going to move to scripture. And I'll let you be seated. But our scripture, it's in Acts 20, 7 through 12. Acts 20, 7 through 12. And it says, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them and 
since he was about to depart the next day, he, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third-story window and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and embraced him and said, Don't be alarmed because he's alive. After going upstairs and breaking bread and eating, Paul talked a long time until dawn, and then he left, and they brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Let's say a word of prayer before we're seated. Father, you're moving tonight. You're in a way as interesting it's that's the whole story it's there's not any really before it not much after it it's this is its own little section and it's interesting just the wording of it because first of all it says that Paul was preaching until midnight how <laughs> how many of y'all would stay if I preached until midnight I know y'all are all liars I y'all be walking out of here at 645 because I, I know Cowboys start here, what, 7.05? So I know about 7.04, everybody's going to start walking out. But <laughs> thank you. We can record it now, and so it's fine. We can play it back later. But he preached until midnight, and there was this boy, Eutychus, that he fell asleep. And has anyone ever, has anyone ever fallen asleep when they weren't supposed to? Has anyone ever fallen asleep in church? I heard a preacher say before that if you haven't fallen asleep in church, you haven't gone to church enough. And so I was like, I believe that. And so if you haven't fallen asleep in church yet, keep coming. But I've, we've, we've had people fall asleep in church. Uh, I've had, it was actually a church camp this past summer. It's not you, Caleb. I'm not snitching on you that you fell asleep in church. I wouldn't do that. I'm talking about a different kid. <laughs> it really is another kid. Y'all just snitched on him. Uh, but it was somebody that I did not know. And uh, we were there, and I see this kid, and it's been over 10 minutes that he's just, he's on his knees and just has his hand and his head just in the chair. And I was looking at him, and he has not moved. And so I was like, I'm going to do it the nice way, and I'm going to kind of wake him up. But I'm not going to be rude about it, you know, because our, our camp age, it's, they, they do it different. They, if you're 12 through 18, you're all there together. So it's, this kid was very much 12. And he was there, and so I kind of go up to him, and, I, and I, I shake his back a little bit. I say, hey, buddy, are you okay? And that gave him every opportunity just to say yes and then just to, you know, wake up. And he goes, I was praying. <laughs> I was like, dude, you hadn't moved an inch. No, you were not. Whatever. And so, he, but, hey, you know, got to give it to him for trying. But, you know, 
many of us have fallen asleep when we shouldn't have. And, but I think I could speak for all of us that when I say Eutychus' story is probably the worst. That he, he makes it in the Bible, and that's cool. But he makes it in the Bible as the kid who fell asleep during church and fell out the window. And I, I know that his mom whooped him after she found out he was alive. Afterwards, I'm sure after he was resurrected, he, they probably had to bring Paul back to resurrect him again because his mom had probably whooped him. But, and then I bet, imagine after the New Testament, they drop the New Testament and release it, and they find, she finds out that he's in the Bible now because he fell asleep in church. I bet she whooped him again just to shame her name like that. But I would imagine, though, that but there's, in this story, there's lessons to learn in it. There's many lessons, actually, to learn that. One thing that is important, though, that I want you to get, if you get nothing else, is that this hour, this time is not the time to fall asleep spiritually. That it's not the time to give up. It's not the time to grow weary. That the world is getting darker. Yes, things happen that are crazy. Yes, but what that means is just the world needs the light of God to shine through us that much more. That we don't need to get weary doing good works. That we don't need to get tired or we don't need to fall asleep to get lackadaisical and get sedative. But we need to be able to stand strong and be able to be the light of the world like God has called for us to be. And so what we're going to do is look into this story and there's a scripture, our scripture says that there were many lamps in the room upstairs where they were assembled. So that lets me know that it was bright in there, that there was lights, that there were lights in there, and that there was light all around Eutychus, but it was not enough to keep him away. That it was not enough to uphold him and to prevent him from falling asleep, that there was light all around Eutychus, but however, this light was not powerful to keep him awake. That there is only one true light in our life as we know that there is Jesus Christ that the scripture says in Psalms 119 that our word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That light, it does many things. Light attracts, light illuminates pathways and it guides steps. Light brings answers to where there are questions if you've ever looked for something in the dark because you didn't want to turn a light on yet. Maybe because it was in the middle of the night and you were looking for something and you're rummaging around in the dark. And then you finally give up and you turn the light on and you realize it was right there the whole time. You just could not see it without the light. We learn that light can bring answers to our questions. But Jesus lets us know that in John 8 that he is the light of the world. That he is who we should follow to see everlasting life. But then he also lets us know a little bit further down in John 14 that no one comes to the Father except through him. So what that lets us know is he is the light of the world. But not only that, but he is the only light of the world. That he is the only thing that should be attracting us. That he is the only thing that should be guiding us. That he is the only thing that should be bringing answers to our questions. He is the way. He is the light. But he is also the only way. The only source of light, And so just because Jesus is the only source of light that can truly sustain us, that does not mean that there aren't artificial light sources that compete to fulfill that role in our lives. That lights that seem sustainable but lack the true power to guide us to salvation and a life of fulfillment and purpose, or in Eutychus's case, prevent him from falling asleep and falling out of a window. You see, these artificial light sources, they're they're bright, they're attractive, they fight for our attention and they attempt to lure us down their path where they are guiding and away from the path of the light that Jesus is guiding us down. These artificial light sources are the things that take up our time that are not of God. 
The things that are taking up our energy that are not of God. Taking our attention away from what is truly important and filling our mind and our schedules with temporary and deceptive agendas. They may seem promising and they may seem enticing, but your career cannot, it can offer you a paycheck, but it cannot truly sustain you. That your relationship can make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, but it cannot bring you the mental stability and the emotional stability that you are looking for and that what Jesus can bring you. These artificial light sources cannot give you the satisfaction that you are looking for, but all they do is simply blind you from seeing the true source of light, which is Jesus. That he is our direction, but the world is full of these artificial light sources that can appear true and it can appear to guide you, but are only going to deceive you, disappoint you, and distract you. And if you've ever been out in the country before, you realize you see more stars than you do in the city. You, whenever you're in, this, if you even go to, even, even Paris, you can't really see stars outside but if you go to Dallas you definitely can but then if you get out into the country if you go out to the lake if you go out anywhere where you're away from the artificial lights of the city you begin to realize how many stars there truly are and how they're able to illuminate the night sky and what this is due to is a phenomenon called light pollution where these artificial light sources such as city lights and street lights they create what is basically a fog of light particles that fade out and hide the stars from shining through the atmosphere. These stars, are, they're still there. They haven't gone anywhere, but due to the artificial light sources, we are hindered from being able to see and also being able to take advantage of the light that they bring. And 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That if we're not seeing God like we know that we should be, if we're not hearing his voice like we know that we should be, if we're not seeing and experiencing God like we used to, it's time that we take a look around at what light sources we are using to guide our lives, the ones that we're using to illuminate our steps and direct our choices. But when you begin to remove the artificial light sources, the true light begins to become clear. Whenever you remove the artificial light sources, the voice of God becomes clear. Your comfort becomes clear. But if you continue to sit in the presence of artificial light sources if you continue to sit in the presence of artificial light sources just like Eutychus it's easy to spiritually drift off but it's not going to happen immediately it's not going to begin to happen and then you're able to catch yourself and then get out of it but it's a gradual process it's a step it's not like you have spiritual narcolepsy and you just fall out but it's something that it's a step it's gradual it's slow it's sneaky and there are signs that you can catch yourself whenever you are falling asleep spiritually. One of them is that you no longer feel the conviction that you used to feel in everyday activities or in uh, willful sins. And there's a scripture at 2 Corinthians 7.10 that says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. You see, the sins that used to bother you and used to drive you to the altar no longer have an impact on you anymore. That you begin to willingly allow things that used to try to avoid to just become a part of your everyday life now. The things that used to make you uncomfortable, the things that you used to know you shouldn't do are now becoming okay for you to do in your life because you're drifting off spiritually and you're losing the conviction that you once had. We oftentimes think conviction is a bad thing. We think that feeling 
a, a trigger in our heart of feeling something in our spirit. Whenever pastor or somebody is preaching on something that is sinful, we think that that's a bad thing, that we're a bad person now because we feel conviction on what he's preaching about. All that simply is is God turning on a light in your life and saying, this is what you can remove and become better for. This is what you can start doing and be able to live in victory tomorrow. This is something that you can do to improve your life today whenever you begin to act on conviction. But when you begin to lose conviction, you begin to operate in the mundane and oftentimes the deadly. The next thing is church attendance but loses its priority. That becomes easier and easier to schedule things on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I know that sometimes you can't avoid it. I know sometimes it just happens that way. But it becomes easier to justify sleeping in on Sunday morning and staying home on Sunday evening and spending time with the family or doing whatever you feel like you can to justify not making it to the house of God. And then also you see that the hunger and the desire to get into the house of God begins to dwindle. And it becomes simply an obligation and no longer a personal desire. It turns into, I have to go to church instead of, I get to go to church. It turns into, let me make sure I go so nobody thinks anything weird of me. Instead of, I've got to get to the house of God. It becomes lackadaisical and it becomes tired and becomes no longer a passion in your life anymore. And it loses its priority. Another way is compassion turns into cynicism. And we become cynical where you once cared deeply for those around you, but now you begin to look for the worst in people. And you begin to expect and look for disappointment in your relationships, and you begin to cast judgments on others and their imperfections, and you cast it onto the leadership, and you cast it onto church events and in your own walk with God, and you're casting your own past and hurts onto your future, expecting the worst instead of looking forward in hope and in faith. And you no longer rejoice in a victory in yourself or in somebody else, but instead you just look for the next downfall. But then there's also isolation. It's hard to fall asleep in the midst of a crowd. It's hard to fall asleep in the busyness of the body of Christ. But if you're in a group setting and if you want to fall asleep, oftentimes what you see is people will find a corner. People will find the edge, the outer borders of the room, of the scenario where they're away from the voices and away from the activity. And there they can fall asleep in peace and isolation. This is the symptom that enables all the others to truly grab hold in our life, in our spirit, because isolation is the enabler and the catalyst for spiritual slumber. Because although, because through isolation, we become weakened, we become blinded, we become stagnant, because Eutychus, when he was overtaken by sleep, he was not in the midst of the crowd. He was around the crowd. Yes, he was in the same room as the crowd, but he was not surrounded by the crowd. He was not in the middle of the crowd, but he was on the edge. He was sitting in the window alone and isolated. And Proverbs 18 and 1 says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. All sound wisdom. When you begin to isolate yourself and only begin to hear your voice and the voices inside your mind, you begin to separate yourself and rebel against all sound wisdom. When you begin to cut people and voices out of your life, you begin to turn your mind into what is called an echo chamber. 
where all you hear are just your thoughts bouncing around and nothing to come against your own thoughts and nothing to tell you what you're thinking is wrong and nothing to tell you that you may be wrong on a matter. And it, no matter how ridiculous these thoughts in your mind become in an echo chamber and how wrong a lie from the enemy may be, when continually repeated in the echo chamber of your isolation, it begins to sound like truth. That's why you need to hear your man of God preach in your life. That's why when you begin to feel yourself slipping off into spiritual slumber and the need, the desire to isolate yourself and the desire to get away from these things and you're feeling these symptoms that we talked about, that is when it is crucial to hear the man of God in your life preach truth into your spirit, to hear pastor teach the word of God into your life because spiritual leaders te teaching truth into the lies and the darkness that are coming against you. That's why you need a pastor. That's why you need a youth pastor because the thought that nobody loves you is a lie, that nobody, the thought that nobody notices when you aren't here is a lie the thought that you don't matter is a lie the thought that you've messed up too many times to come back is a lie every thought that is trying to separate you from the love of God is a lie but whenever you let it get in the echo chamber of your mind it sounds like truth but what I'm here to tell you is there is a truth that is going to break through the darkness in your mind break through the darkness in your spirit the darkness in your household and it is saying that you did not mess up too much yes you are loved yes it does matter when you miss and yes we want you here and yes God still has has a plan for you whether you've messed up a hundred times today or you've been perfect every single day God has a plan for you and everything against that is a lie from the enemy it's time that we stop listening to the lies and it's time that we wake up it's time that we wake up and we get out of the window that we get out of our isolation and out of our echo chamber and we let the word be preached into our spirit to let the word of God push away darkness that is drawing us deeper and deeper into spiritual slumber. It's time we wake up. But sometimes we don't even have to be physically out of the church to be isolated and to fall asleep. Most of the process happens in the pew. That whenever we begin to notice somebody's missing, very rarely is that the first time that they're battling the isolation and the pull for them to become spiritually asleep. But it happens gradually throughout and it can happen in the own church service. It can happen in the worship. It can happen during the preaching. Eutychus was in the room listening to the greatest church planter that ever lived, Paul, and he fell asleep. He was in the church. And last Youth Sunday, we talked about Mary and Joseph, that they went to the Passover feast. They went to a religious festival, a religious ceremony, a religious event, and they forgot Jesus at home. They left him back there. We just because we think we're making it to church does not mean we are exempt from becoming spiritually asleep. But we have to be diligent and we have to make sure that we are away from the windows and that we are away from falling asleep and that we are surrounded by believers and that we are truly hearing but receiving the word of God from the man of God in our lives. Because we can be completely asleep and numb on the inside, but we can look the part. We can dress the part. We can act the part on Sundays and then your brothers and your sisters go on about their business and have no clue that you're even struggling because I believe that if Eutychus had people around him that could see what was going on and had the right people around him that had the boldness to act on it I have trouble believing he would have ever fallen out of the window 
But if there were brothers and sisters around him that were able to notice that he was beginning to drift, able to notice he was beginning to doze off, that they would look at him and say, no, you're not, buddy, and shake him away, say, buddy, you've got to wake up. You're getting close to the edge, buddy. You're, you're at the window. No, you're, you're waking up. It's time to get down from the ledge. It's time to get away from the window. And they would shake him awake, and they would pull him away from the danger. And that is why we have to make it into the house of God. That's why we have to surround ourselves with believers. That's why we have to assemble together and not forget how important it is because there are people that are able to pull us away from the window of our destruction, to pull us away from the lies of the enemy that are causing us to drift away from him. That's why you need your church family. That's why you need your youth group. That's why you need your pastor. That's why you need your youth pastor. That's why you need the person sitting next to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Turn to the one you ignored and say, I need you. We need each other. That's why you need somebody who loves you and who cares about you and is bold enough to see you whenever you are slipping. To say, no, you're not falling asleep here. No, you're not drifting off. No, you're not taking a back seat. No, you're not falling out of the window. You are too important to drift away. That you are too loved for us to let you fall out of the window. That's why, church, we have to be vigilant. That's why we have to be diligent. That's why we have to have our eyes open and looking around and saying, if I see somebody that I think is struggling, I'm helping him. If I see somebody that I think is slipping away, I'm praying with them. That's why we cannot be spiritually self-centered. We can't be so self-centered that we don't notice when others are falling asleep. Because oftentimes we do notice, but we decide to talk about it. We decide just to tell, well, I haven't seen them in a few weeks. Or did you see how they, they, really, they weren't doing anything during the service? They, something must be going on with them. And we treat it like they chose to go through that. But we have to be diligent. We have to look around and see who is slipping, who is struggling to be able to pull them away. Philippians 2 and 4 says, everyone should not look to his own interests but rather to the interest of others. It's so easy to treat church like it's a buffet where we just come in and say, what can I get for myself today? What can I stack on my plate? What can I get for me today? What does God have for me? What does pastor have for me? What does worship have for me today? And the whole time we walk past somebody who is hurting. We walk past somebody who just needed a word from you. Walk past somebody who is slipping closer and closer toward the window. And we never even noticed. But if we can flip the switch to come into church saying not God what can you do for me but God what can I do for you God what can I do for this service what can I give to you God what can I pour out who can I pray with who can I encourage who can I reach out to God move in me yes but God I need you to move through me today God yes minister to me but God I need you to minister through me today because I can't afford my brother and sister slipping I can't afford to see another person leave the church I can't afford to see another person get discouraged and leave and walk away from the truth when I know that there is a truth calling them back we don't need to come to church looking to leave full but to leave hungrier we have first Peter thank you first Peter 4 7 through 10 the end of all things is near therefore be alert and sober minded for prayer be alert above all maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins be hospitable to one another without complaining just as each one has received a gift use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God somebody needs you to stay awake tonight 
Somebody needs you to not fall asleep at the wheel tonight. Somebody needs you to not fall asleep in your pew tonight. Somebody needs you to be diligent and to be able to say, I'm weary, I'm tired, but there's too much going on for me to fall asleep. God has worked too much in my life for me to fall asleep. God has done too much for me for me to turn around and walk away from the truth. But I know somebody is depending on me and I'm depending on somebody else. When Paul and Silas were in the prison, and they begin to praise, and they decided not to fall asleep in the cell. That's a great place to fall asleep. But if I was going to fall asleep somewhere, it would be in jail, because then I could pass the time a little quicker. But instead, they decide that in this tough circumstance, I'm going to praise, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to give glory to God. And whenever the foundations were shaken and the doors were open, whose cell doors were open? It's everyone's, right? Every door. Sometimes your praise is not just for you to get in touch with God. Sometimes your praise is not just for your breakthrough. Sometimes your praise and sometimes the praise next to you is not just for them, but it's going to be for your victory, for your breakthrough. So whenever the worship service comes on, when the preaching is coming, you need to give your shout, give your praise, because you never know who is depending that your praise, your worship, your response is opening the cells of their jail, opening the cells of where they are locked up. And whenever we begin to worship and we give praise and we say, I'm not falling out the window. I'm not falling asleep and I'm not letting anybody around me fall asleep either that's when we see revival that's when we see the prodigal sons return that's when we begin to see people stay in the truth like we know they need to be somebody needs you to be alert somebody needs you to pull them away from the window we need each other but but brother Stephen I've I've been feeling this way for a long time I've I haven't felt God in a while and I used to but I don't know what's happened and I'm in a I'm in a rut and I'm numb and I feel like I've gone too far and I feel like I've done too much. And if that's you, I'm so glad to tell you something about the story. That Eutychus fell asleep. He fell three stories. He hit the ground and he was dead. But the love of God was still able to reach him. The resurrection power was still able to reach him. The power of God was able to reach the one who fell asleep, fell out of the window, and everybody else thought that they were gone. The person you thought was too far gone. The person you thought is never going to walk back through those doors again. The person, the family member you've been praying for, but you're starting to lose faith in. God's reach is not too short to reach him. God's arm is not too short to be able to reach him. The resurrection power is not too short to reach them. But if they're still alive, God still has a purpose in them, and God is still calling them, and God can still reach them. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. If you feel like you're falling asleep, God is coming after you. God is calling your name. God is reaching out to you. If you have a son, a daughter, a family member who's not in church anymore, God is still seeking them. God has not given up on them, and we don't need to either. You may be halfway out the window tonight, barely hanging on by a thread, and musicians, you can come. You may be discouraged, you may be weary, you may be broken, but there's a God here tonight that is calling your name, that is reaching out to you, that is reaching for you saying, don't you fall asleep on me now. Don't you give up on me now. I still got a work to do in your life. I still got a miracle to perform in your life. I still got a prayer to answer. I still got a ministry to impart. I still got a promise to keep. And when you answer that call, 
There's going to be a joy. There's going to be a rejuvenation. There's going to be a zeal in your life that you haven't felt in a long time. And if you've never even experienced the presence of God, Jesus decided long before you were ever born to come down to this earth to be crucified, to be beaten, and to die for our sins, for our mistakes, for our spiritual slumber, so that he could sleep for three days and rise again and give us the opportunity of eternal life to give us the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. But not only that, but the opportunity to be filled with his spirit and not just experience heaven. Heaven is just a byproduct of overcoming life. Heaven is just a byproduct of living in the spirit, but that's going to be great. But what he has died to do is give you the spirit to live in victory here on earth today, to live in victory tonight, to live in victory in the situation you are fighting. That is what his spirit is for. And the scripture says, what do we do? How, what, what do we need to do to be saved? How can we be saved? And he's saying all you have to do, repent. To turn away from your sin, to turn away from the spiritual slumber, to turn away from the weariness, to turn away from the life that you are living. And be baptized in Jesus' name, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only light source, the only true source that can sustain us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost that was prophesied in Acts 1 and 8 that's saying you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power to overcome. Power to wake up when you're feeling weary. The power to pull your friend, your brother and sister from the window. The power to live the life you know you're called to live. Nobody needs to walk out of here without the Spirit tonight. Nobody needs to walk out of here without being encouraged and being empowered by the Holy Ghost tonight. And if you feel like you're in the window, if you feel like you're falling asleep, if you feel like you're drifting away, if you feel like you're isolated and you're alone, God is ready to reach down to you tonight as we're all standing. And these altars are open. And if you come to the altar, that does not mean that you're a bad person. That does not mean that you've messed up a lot and people are judging you. What that means is that you're saying, I want to get close to the light source. That I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of the life the world is wanting me to live. I'm tired of operating in the sin and the mundane life that the world is trying for me to live in. But I know that there is more. And God, you are calling me to more. And so as I step out in faith into this altar, I'm proclaiming to the enemy, I'm proclaiming to myself, and I'm proclaiming to you that I want you more than anything, that I want your power more than anything, I want your love more than anything, and I'm tired of sitting in the windowsill, but put me on the front row, I'm tired of sitting, sitting on the edge, but God, send me out into the world, I'm tired of being tired. to be a rejuvenation of the spirit flowing through this place you may feel the need to dance you may feel the need to lay down you may feel the need to get on one knee whatever it is god is going to move his spirit is going to move you are going to respond and changes are going to happen in your life
have a burnout.